Today we're reading Matthew chapter 18 from verse 1 to verse 9. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened round his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Uh, I think you're going through a series in the Gospel according to Matthew, aren't you? So you are more familiar with the recent chapters probably than I am. Um, But uh, I know that chapter 18... Uh, is a new section. Uh, the whole chapter is it's got a focus on um, Jesus speaking to his disciples about getting on with each other. Um, now we are. Now we belong to the kingdom. Now we are Christians. How should we treat one another? How should our interactions be affected? And it should change us. Uh, when you become a believer in Jesus, your view of yourself changes, your view of God changes, and it should affect how you relate to other people who are Christians. In the previous section you've been looking at, Matthew records Jesus spending time with his followers, those closest followers, the twelve disciples, and again and again they misunderstood, and Kenny in his prayers just now referred to uh, the fact they didn't have the faith in order to pray about that uh, possessed child or... or, or uh, uh, yes, he's a possessed child, isn't it? Um, and that, and that, that's a bit of a theme, really, in those chapters, isn't it? Their, their repeated misunderstanding about why Jesus came, what it means to be one of his followers, and now Jesus is addressing their misunderstandings about one another. How do they relate to one another? And that misunderstanding comes across with this, uh, this question they ask. But just, just to show you that this chapter is about treat, how we treat one another... Uh, Look with me at verse 5. Whoever receives one such child in my name uh, receives me. It's all all about uh, those who come in the name of Jesus. And then verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones, and that's a different label. It's not children here. The little ones in Matthew are people who belong to Jesus. His people are little ones. Again, verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, one of my people. And verse 15. If your brother sins against you. This is not talking about the person who lives in your household with your dad and your mum. This is talking about your brother in Christ, in the, in the Christian family. So the whole chapter is on this topic. Uh, it starts with a question from the disciples in verse 1. At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying... Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How do you measure Christianity? 
although that word didn't exist then, but how do you, how do you measure involvement in your, in your purposes, Jesus? What is a successful follower of you, Jesus? And Jesus gets a child as a visual aid. He, he says, look at this child, and he says, that's what you should be like, verse 2. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly I tell you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? What, what have children got that we need to have if we are going to be a success in, in being one of God's people? How must we change to be like them? Now in the history of Christian thinking, some people have read this in a sort of uh, hard way and, and said that means we've got to suck our thumbs and hold on to blankets like little children do. And, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. Some people have said that... Uh, Children are better than others. They've got a, a young innocence that doesn't exist in older people. Uh, I'm afraid from experience of being a father uh, and working in schools and working in Sunday schools, that's not true. Little children are not more pure than adults. Uh, they fail in different ways from us, but they share the same characteristic that we have of selfishness, rudeness, So what is it? What is it that we need? Look at verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They have got humility. They have humility uh, in their culture. Uh, Western culture tends to, sometimes, um, it's sentimental about children. Children are the best. Uh, they, They are flawless. But in that time, children were thought little of. They were just another mouth to feed They were a pair of hands that didn't do any work. They were a voice that demanded. They had low status. They they weren't just out of sight and out of mind. They were a problem. They were a burden. And so they were thought little of. They had low status in that culture. They were humbled. Now in our culture, humbled doesn't sound... Doesn't sound good, does it? Uh, Eating humble pie is something horrible to do. Being humiliated uh, can feel is is one of the worst experiences. It's when you're made to look small. It's when you're forced to lose. It's when you support Arsenal Football Club. Uh, Humility uh, is an attitude that goes with those things, accepting a low position. But what is humility? There's wrong understandings. Humility is not putting on a show of modesty. So let's imagine uh, Lionel Messi finally accepts Rob's invitation and he comes to Beckentry Church next week. And he comes in and you say to him, wow, you're that great football player. And Lionel, I call him Lionel, Lionel says, "Uh, no, I'm, I'm not that good at football really. That's not humility that's lying. Okay, he's brilliant. That's why he gets so much money for it, and people all around the world watch him. Humility is not saying I'm bad when I'm good. Humility is accepting a low position, not insisting on my place. Humility is not saying, oh, how are people looking at me? How are they accepting me? Humility is thinking, how can I welcome them? So when Lionel does come, uh, if he's humble, He'll say, yeah, I, I love football, I enjoy football, but tell me about you. He'll, that, that will be humility. 
Another misunderstanding is to think humility means hating myself. But in fact, that's another way of putting myself at the centre. Let me tell you more about how bad I am. Let me uh, draw attention in the conversation to me and my weakness and my badness. Listen to me. That's not humility. Humility is not thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less often and thinking of you more often. Does that make sense? Again, it's not, it's not saying I'm less than I am. It's just putting more focus on you. That's humility. So in this chapter, Jesus is, is saying, how, how should you get on with each other? You, my people, my family, members of my kingdom. And the first measure is that we shouldn't try and outdo one another. This whole question of how am I the greatest is the wrong question. Because you don't even get into the kingdom if you don't have humility like a child. And humility is not asking, how do I get the first place? Are you recognising what a great footballer you are? Did you hear that I mentioned I call Messi Lionel? Did you hear that? We're not thinking about that all the time if we're members of the kingdom. Because to get into the kingdom, you start with humility. So how do we get it? How do we become this person who's more interested in you and welcoming you and get rid of that thing that is natural to us, which is concern about how you think of me? It's easy to describe something, isn't it? But how do you get it? It's easy to describe a tomato, but how do you get a tomato? You start with a seed and you plant it in the soil and you water it and and the plant grows. How do you get to humility? It starts with an understanding of myself and God. It starts with an understanding of myself and God. There's a second uh, heading on the sheet here. How do we get to humility? It starts with an understanding of myself and God. We must recognise how small we are. Think about it. God created the universe. I didn't make him, he made me. He was there when the mountains were formed. He will be there when the world finishes. But I and you, we're like grass, the Bible says. Green in May, brown and dead in June. It's green again this week. If we have hot weather for a week, it'll be brown again. comes and goes. I don't know the names of my great-great-grandparents. Do you know the names of your great-great-grandparents? Should my children know, my great-great-grandchildren know my name? Why should they? I doubt they will. We come, we go, we're forgotten. I might gain your approval this evening. I might go home and sit in my house in Dagenham and think, that's great. You know, the whole room of people in Beckentree thought, what a great thing that was that Joel did. But we're a very small group of people. This is a very small time in history. It'll, it'll be forgotten, it'll move on. And the Bible says even the greatest politicians, the greatest uh, generals, the greatest artists are just like a piece of paper that blows down Hedgeman's Road and gets lost in the rubbish, be forgotten in history. How do we need to become, how do we become humble? It's by recognising that's who we are as human beings. We're very small in God's world and in God's purposes. Pray that you would see yourself truly like that. But humility also comes from understanding the death of Jesus. 
When we become Christians, we recognise we deserve God's wrath, we deserved hell, and yet Jesus came and took the Father's wrath for me. There's nothing I could do, and so there is now no place for boasting. My place, if I have a place in God's kingdom, is not something I have paid for. Someone else has paid for it, for me. That should create this humility, this recognition of, it's not about me. I'm not taking first place. How can I welcome you? How can I think about you? Because I'm only here as a guest of God. I'm only here because he's paid for my ticket. That will change my attitude to you. So the first point here, verses 1 to 4, how should we get on with one another? Let's not try to outdo each other. That's, that's not the Christian way. In fact, trying to be the greatest is the route to being shut out. Second point, the rest of this section, how should believers get on with each other? We'll avoid tripping each other up. We'll avoid tripping each other up. There's a, there's a word that runs through the next section from 5 to 9. Uh, that used to be translated trip each other up or stumble. In this version, it's uh, where you've got the phrase uh, cause them to sin or uh, bring temptation. But it's actually the same word. So I'll read it slightly differently to to help you see that point. Um, And and it's an idea, if, if you've followed through Matthew here, you'll have seen it come up a number of places in the Gospel according to Matthew. People who trip up, they stumble over Jesus and his message. So in Jesus' teaching about uh, the four soils and the seed landing on the four soils, some people will trip up over the Christian life because it's too hard. They'll stumble over it and they'll they'll walk away. They'll give up on it. Uh, Peter, just a couple of chapters before, he he stumbled. He tripped over Jesus' message about the death of Jesus. He was stumbling over that. It, It was... Uh, inclining him to walk away from Jesus. And Jesus had to confront him. Uh, Jesus' neighbours who knew him growing up as an ordinary uh, son of the carpenter, he now turns up as the, the, the promised king, and that's too much for them. They stumble over, they trip over the ordinariness of Jesus, and so they're inclined to walk away from him. That's the idea that's been coming up through Matthew. So the warning here is, when it says don't... Uh, cause to sin, don't attempt to sin. It's, it's don't provoke people to be offended by Jesus and, and move away from him. That's the warning. Because if we're doing that to our fellow uh, members of the church family, we're pushing them away from the kingdom. We're pushing them away from God because the only way to God is by Jesus. Yeah? That's what's going on here. Uh, let's look at verse 5 and 6. There's two opposites here. Two ways of acting with two results. Verse 5. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes, verse 6, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, well, it'd be better for him to have a great millstone fastened round his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So, verse 5. When we welcome those who belong to Jesus, because they're his people, we welcome him. And that, that's, uh, that comes with the humility of saying, yeah, Jesus has given me this place in his family. It's a gift to me. And there's someone else who's got that gift. There's a fellow believer. I'm glad to meet them. 
And I hope you've had that experience if you are a Christian, you've met someone uh, who's a Christian at work or at school or college or at a family event and you find out they're a Christian and you think, that's great, really pleased to meet another Christian. And when we do that, when we welcome them, in a sense Jesus says we're welcoming him. Can you understand that dynamic? When we welcome a follower of Jesus, it's like us welcoming Jesus. We're saying, yeah, Jesus, I love you. I love the way that you have made me one of your children. I love the fact that here is another one of your children. But not everyone does that. Some reject Jesus. That's the way of the world, isn't it? Hated Jesus. And the world that hates Jesus will hate his followers. That's because the world is heading to judgment. And that kind of hatred can be the stumbling to Christians that Jesus talks about earlier, you know, causing them to stumble, pushing them away. Look at verse 6 again. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. This is a shocking picture, isn't it? What a horrible image. I don't know if you can swim. Um, you will not swim if you have a rock tied around your neck. I don't know if you've ever learned or been in the pool and you've been struggling to breathe because something has gone wrong or people have been dunk, dunking you under. It's horrible. Uh, and I've worried for a while when I read this in the past, how could Jesus think of such a horrible way for someone to die? Well, it's a twisted way to think in a way, isn't it? Uh, but... I was reassured when I found out that apparently this was a a way of execution in that time. So Jesus was referring to something that people knew about. Jesus said it would be better for people to go through that. You you jump into a pool and you can swim, that's great. You swim to the end, you jump into a pool, you've got a rock round your neck. You are not going to get to the other side. Horrible thing. But Jesus said, better for that than to cause someone to stumble over, to trip them up and push them away from Jesus. That's how serious it is. So the Christian is humble. He recognises he only has life with God because of Jesus. He knows how much he owes to Jesus. He, He won't look down on others. And so he welcomes other believers. He welcomes people and will... Avoid at all costs pushing them away from Jesus. Now one way we can do this is the anti-Christian attitude of focusing on how much we do. The anti-Christian attitude on focusing on how much we do and how good we are. Because that ends up with us rejecting other people or looking down on them. And it pushes them away from trust in Jesus. You see, it tells them, don't you rely on Jesus. You try and be as good as me. Let's have a competition. Think about how many people come to my church. That many people come to your church? Huh. We'll try a bit harder. You see, that's pushing you away from trusting in Jesus and starting to trust in yourself. Or you big them up. You say, what a great preacher you are. Oh, God's so, so lucky to have you in, in, in his church. What a great evangelist you are. What a great Sunday school teacher. You are such a success. That drives people away from trust in Jesus. Now, we must congratulate and encourage one another and praise one another. 
but to find such a way of doing that that keeps trust in Jesus. So well done, sister. Well done, brother. You're serving the Lord well in what you're doing. And you've got a particular gift there. God is using you. But let's keep the focus on him using you. We need to welcome those who are Jesus' people. We cannot be humble, thankful members of the kingdom and reject those who are his children. So the challenge for us here is, is who do we find hard to welcome? Who will you talk to after church and who will you not? Uh, At work or at school or in family events, will you stand alongside another Christian even if they are not a great advert for Jesus? But will you stand alongside them because they are a follower of Jesus? You might well be humiliated if you do that. You might be humiliated if you do that, but if you're a humble person, that will be no shock to you. Because you're not, you're not about trying to make a great place for you. You're content to have a low place. You know it's all a gift of God that you're in his people. It is terribly serious to trip others up. And Jesus also adds here, it's terribly serious to trip myself up. Look at that in verse 8 and 9. Uh, And if your hand or your foot uh, causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. Really serious language again, isn't it? You thought it was bad to talk about being thrown in a pool with a rock round your neck. He's talking here about being thrown into fire. Uh, this is Jesus talking. Now, what would that look like? How, how can I trip myself up? Well, again, it, it's taking the focus off relying on Jesus, humbly, and putting the focus onto me. Well, and well I'm better than Rob. I, Rob leads this little church in Beckentree, but look how many people sign on to Zoom at Dagenham. <laughs> yeah, that's focusing on me. I'm great. I'm the big man. That's tripping me up because I'm forgetting about Jesus. Yeah. My little, our little church in Dagenham, a small group of people, 100 years' time, no one will remember Joel Edwards. I'm a little piece of paper that's blowing along the road. I'm here and I'm gone tomorrow. That's, that's the humility that I need to have. Or, the flip side, rather than looking down on you lot, I can, I can beat myself up because we're not as good as Beckentry Church. You know, you, you're, you're a small church, you're really close to each other. There's loads of you doing door-to-door evangelism. Oh, if only we could be like you. Oh. Yeah, I'm tripping myself up because I'm no longer thinking, you know what, Joel's got a, a life with God because of Jesus, not because of what he achieves. Not doesn't have to be as good as Beckentree. How should believers get on with each other? We remember the way into the Christian life. It's through Jesus. It's about him. It's his gift. That makes us humble. That's what we understand. And we're not trying to be better than each other. And as humble believers, we're then concerned to keep each other remembering the truth is about Jesus. Not to push each other away, trip them up. 
Not to trip ourselves up by focusing on me rather than Christ. God is very concerned about it. He's been very serious warnings here. In a pool, in the sea, with a rock round your neck. In fire hell. Let's take this seriously. Let's work at making sure we, we receive other Christians the way Jesus teaches us to. And avoid pushing them away from him. Let me uh, lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus teaches us here about uh, what we should be as Christians together. And he gives very clear warnings. Lord, please teach us the humility that we have to have uh, just to be a member of the church, to be a member of your people. Take away from us our love of praise, please. And our focus on ourselves. Lord, please teach us this concern for other Christians. Concern that we would hold Jesus first and welcome one another. And not in any way push others down or or puff them up so that they forget Jesus themselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.